point is, the end result is the same. Duty calls. I have searched the world over before you. That is so cool. You guys all just have this really tight bond. Just call me the computer whisperer. He seemed so nice and normal. You don't want to come back to my place? That smell makes me nauseous. I thought it was going to be a slow night. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Can we go now? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Beer with Buffy, a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. And today mm. on Beer with Buffy, we are going to retro-analytically um, love roast <laughs> an episode called Triangle. It is episode 11 of season 5 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Why do you keep saying that we will... Retro-analytically yeah. love roast it? Yeah. Eh, shits and giggles. Yeah. So we've never introduced it that way, and I felt like it. I like it, actually. Yeah. Also, I'm I'm probably going to start a theme of trying too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I'm a little butthurt. It's, did it's I, the, uh, the comment on Reddit. Did I mention why I'm a little butthurt? The comment on Reddit. Yeah. You, comment you, on Reddit. You, you posted about it in the in the... The group uh -huh. I saw. Yeah, yeah. I may or may not have. So uh, I, I'm not asking you guys to go roast this person or anything. Uh, they they have a completely legitimate wrong opinion <laughs> <laughs> about the podcast that may or may not be directly aimed squarely at Rex. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm just mad on his behalf. <laughs> <laughs> so i i this is what i get for googling us i i was looking up to see if anybody had ranked buffy the vampire slayer podcasts and i was reading through a reddit thread which was my first mistake <laughs> no, your first mistake was going on to the internet what yeah was googling us and then clicking on a reddit link so my second mistake Yes. It, I've only made two mistakes at this point. <laughs> um, and I I finally found it about three quarters of the way down the thread. Beer with Buffy. I was like, ooh, that's us. That's us. Eee! Eee! I'm like a happy seal. <laughs> anyway, so just going to read the little excerpt. It says, also used to listen to Beer with Buffy, but one of the hosts tries a bit too hard to be a comedian all the time, which just got too distracting after a while. You know, it could be argued that it is me, because <laughs> of the two of us, I'm the one who tries to be funny and isn't. You know, <laughs> C was uh, only moments ago making a very similar argument, that I'm not trying too hard to be a comedian. In fact, if anything, I'm much more effectively a comedian on the podcast than I am in real life, where I also am always trying to be a comedian. Here's the thing, folks. You don't know this man like I do. Like, he's not trying to be funny. He's just an absurd person. <laughs> like, this is this is very much a, a distilled version of your sense of humor, Josh. But but it this is this is like barely above par for the course for, for how the level of over the top absurdity that you you bring to the table. Yes, I'm so ridiculous. Look at me, everybody. <laughs> Wee! <laughs> I'm off the goddamn batshit bonker walls over here, fellas. 
And ladies, you can't even see. You don't even know. Honestly, honestly, I would bet that Look that... at him. He's hanging upside down. <laughs> He's so silly. I would bet that that person just doesn't want comedy podcasts. And that's fine. Sure. That's fine. Sure. But you know what? This is a comedy podcast. I'm fine with, I'm fine with, with, it. with him not liking it. Seriously. We don't need him here. Him, her. I, yeah, I don't think it was particularly established their gender, and it's not important. So, whatever. We're moving on. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look at that, guys. Even if you review us on Reddit obscurely, we will still read your review on the air. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but, yeah, you know, in, in light of this, I've decided to completely give up on my dream of ever being funny ever again, and I'm only ever going to give straightforward commentary and analysis on this show ever again. Completely monotone. Starting right now. It's it's not about me, after all, right? It's it's about Buffy. And Willow. And Xander. And Anya. And Giles. And killing things. <laughs> and mostly Xander. <laughs> you, you, you can't even achieve monotone because you have that re- resting sarcastic voice. I'm sorry, let me give it a shot again. Com- completely monotone from here on out. It's not about me, after all, right? It's about Buffy and Willow and Xander and Anya and Giles and killing things and mostly Xander. (laughs) I'm really trying not to sound like a robot as I'm monotone and I can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, all right. So keep a counter, everybody. Um, I I want you all to keep me accountable. If I'm ever funny again, I need you to shut that shit down. I don't. I don't. I cannot abide it. <laughs> the dude does not abide. Oh, the rustic sarcastic voice ruins this whole joke. We're <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes it too. Clearly, you're not a golfer. All right. Okay. Anyway, 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 we have an agenda to adhere to. Yeah. It's time to read off our list of executive doodle doos. Fuck those doodle doos, Rex. Hello, executive doodle doos. We love you. Yeah. We love you lots. And the, these doodle doos are Taylor Jordan Guy, Cubby Seal, Mr. Tabalicious, Sandra Craig, Jay Sommer, Catherine Parkinson, Karen Moon, Chris V-Man, Catrick J. Fur, Scarlet Choi, Quotable Heaps. They finally got around to changing that. Hey, and I quoted them earlier. Yes. They're not wrong. <laughs> Andy Burgess, Kefro Gnome, Father DeFenestrato, Methuen DeBurr, Kelly McAdams, Jesse Rain, and Carrie Phillips. Thank you so much. Without you, this show literally is not possible. Squeak. That's my squeak of approval. That's your squeak of approval? Yes. Good good squeak of approval. Yes, the, uh, the was, great rat boy. very squeaky. The great rat boy has squoken. <laughs> Josh. Yes, Rex? Put another coin in the joke jar. Shit. <sighs> Sorry, everybody. That's, <laughs> that's very embarrassing. <laughs> Thank you for being patient with me. You said no more humor. No Did- more comedy. No more jokes. I did. I don't even hear myself doing it. What did I do? What did I say? What did I funny? <laughs> what did I funny? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I'm sorry. No, really, I don't remember. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I don't have that many quarters. <laughs> I'm going to run out real fast. You're the one who set the standard. All right. You said no more jokes. Yeah, I'm. That's on you. I'm, no, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, let's move forward with business for today. We have a cat to name. We have a cat to name. One of our patrons, Cubby the Seal, reached out to us and said, "Hey, name this fucking cat." He said, "Hey, I'm so tired of clubbing seals. <laughs> I need help with." Oh shit. <sighs> Thank you. All right. My apologies. Clubbing seals isn't funny. That's not even their name. It's Cubby the Seal. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny, though. All right. So um, do we really need to read the whole message? Or I've just got a quick uh, description of yeah, what they gave us. For... Go, ahead, go ahead and just give the quick description. These are the descriptors I used for naming this cat. It is a tuxedo cat. It was a stray that started coming around. And uh, it came inside and it sat down on the couch with them and started watching Star Trek Next Generation. So they've been calling it Jean-Luc Picard, but obviously since there's only one Jean-Luc Picard, yeah, we need to remedy that. So, Rex, you want to go first? Well, I only have one name. Do you want me to go first? I Do you have more than one name? Yes, I, I have two. Okay, you, you go first, because you got more. All right. Uh, the first name I came up with is... Commander Todd, the Ascending Transient. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that a reference? A little bit. It's it's a cobbling of references. So, Commander, obviously a rank from Star Trek. Yeah. It can't be captain, can't have two captains on one ship. Right. That's problematic at best. Uh, Todd is the character from BoJack Horseman, his uh, best friend, who just came in and crashed on his couch one night and never left. Ah. So, Todd. I didn't bother looking up what Todd's last name is. And the Ascending Transient, I just like putting weird titles on the end. But, you know, Ascending, he's a tuxedo cat, and therefore uh, he is a fancy cat, which means he's climbing the social ladder, he's Ascending, Ah. but he's also a transient, because he's a bum. He was a stray. Commander Todd, the Ascending Transient. Okay, what's your second one? The second one, uh, very similar origins... But different. Fancy Broccoli, a rags to riches story. <laughs> Fancy Broccoli? Fancy Broccoli. Uh, okay, explain this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fancy, you know, because he's a tuxedo cat. Rags to riches story, same tuxedo cat. Right. Uh, and, you know, because he's, he's a stray and a bum, but now he's fancy. And uh, Broccoli, just because I thought of Charles Barkley because he's an outcast. Okay. Um, no, I'm sorry, not Charles Barkley. He's a fucking basketball player. I'm an idiot. But the the character um, Barkley from Next Generation. Oh, Barkley. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to go down a list of all the main characters of Next Generation, but that would have gotten tiresome real I, quick. So I only have one name, and I, I couldn't come up with a good pun to, to work it in. Okay. Uh, but it's the only name that I think fits, and that is Q. Because he does not live there. He only shows up to steal the show ha! from time to time. Ha! And then he then he leaves. Okay. And that's all I got. Just Q. Just Q. Nothing else. I tried coming up with a pun off of John Delancey's name. Couldn't come up with anything good. Huh. So just Q. Oh, boy. Well, 
What's your favorite name of uh, of mine? The first one. I, I that mine as well. Commander Todd, the Ascending Transient. I feel like just has a better ring to it. Um, also, I I have a very strong fondness for like calling animals like very mundane names. <laughs> like the squirrel that lives in the tree outside my house, his name is Frank. Okay. I just you know anytime I see him, hi Frank. Hi Frank. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I named all box elder bugs Greg. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, so I'm I'm a fan of that. I just Todd. Yeah. Hi Todd. Hey Greg. I'm going to stomp you out for now, but I'll see you next time. It's <laughs> so the next box elder bug I see. Hey, Greg. Yeah. You're live. How are you doing, bud? <laughs> you're in good health, considering. <laughs> considering, yeah. <laughs> Squish. Squish. <laughs> uh, no, I I, don't, I try not to step on bugs too much anymore. I try to just stick them outside, get them out of the house. It's, it's So a, of the it's multitude. A cru- it's a cruelty of childhood that I try not to indulge in anymore. Of the multitude of names that I, I've given you to pick from. Which would you pick? <laughs> of yours, I'd have to choose. My second favorite was L. That that but wasn't even on the list. I know, but my first favorite was Q. Definitely, ah, okay. yeah. That's of good. of the uh, of the options given. <laughs> and, I'm sorry. There we go. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> What's this motherfucker's name? Fuck you, Massa. <laughs> Fuck you. That's their name. Well, we know that they're not listening. I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to have to vote overall for Commander Todd the Ascending Transient. Yeah. I, I tried coming up with something clever and I just got nothing. That's I mean you had good reasoning for Q. I just it doesn't have your signature complexity. I'm I know. I miss it. I know. So obviously Clubby the Seal, all three of these are up for grabs. Uh Commander Todd the Ascending Transient, Q or Fancy Broccoli, a Rags to Riches story. And hey, you know you know what? Fans, if you can come up with a good punny cat name off of Q to like, you know, achieve what I was unable to achieve today, um, yeah. That is give us a message, Twitter, Facebook, send us a voicemail, email, I don't I don't care. Just, you know, let us know and we'll pass it along. Q, the Quasar Quaker. That that has nothing to do with with cats. I'm sure it does. We stick a cat in a rocket, we send it into outer space, and then suddenly all cats are associated with outer space. We're going to do I, this. I don't it's think gonna that's happen. how that works. Data has a cat. Yeah. Done. Name Spot. Name, name the cat Spot. Q, the Quasar Quaker. <laughs> Done. See how I did that? Dot to dot. Logically. Sure. <laughs> you know what time it is, Josh? I, I don't know what time it is. 8.27 p.m. February 6, 2022. Uh, no, it is currently uh, mom synopsis time. Oh, well, I'm so glad you asked. And the answer is Joshua. <laughs> what are you doing, Joshua? Well, mostly wondering what the fuck they put in energy drinks that reminded me what it's like to be happy yesterday. <laughs> oh, but Joshua, you've always seemed like such a happy child to me. Well, then you're not fucking paying attention, mom. But Joshua... What do you have to be so depressed about? 
Yeah, that's not how depression works, Mom. Count your blessings and other people's ills all fucking day long. It doesn't discredit or magically fix your own fuckery. Why not? Because <laughs> happiness isn't a pissing contest. Nonsense! I find that thinking of all the starving children in Ethiopia makes me feel much better all of the time. I don't know, Ma. Sounds like bullshit. Also, there's a word for that. Uh, what is it? What is it? What is it? Uh, schadenfreude. God bless you, Joshua. Now go ahead and bottle up your emotions and blame everyone else for your problems, like me. Well, luckily, on today's episode of Puffy the Vampire Slayer, we actually get to witness some healthy coping mechanisms, and it's a lovely fucking change of pace. Yay! What's that supposed to mean, Joshua? It means stop being willfully ignorant and listen to my fucking synopsis. <laughs> or your synopsis. Whatever. So, Xander and gang are all concerned about how Buffy's going to cope with the fallout of Riley leaving. Buffy has some heart-to-hearts with Giles and even Dawn and Tara, and they all seem like pretty healthy, cathartic conversations that she needed to have. Meanwhile, Giles got some business to tend to, so he fucks off over to the other side of the pond to talk to the Watcher's Council about glory and the key, but remaining super cautious not to reveal the key's secret identity as Dawn. So while Giles is away, Willow and Anya spark up some underlying issues that they have with one another and accidentally conjure a troll who happens to be Anya's ex-boyfriend. With some classic teamwork and no small amount of group therapy under pressure, Xander and Anya manage to stomp the troll down long enough for Willow to find a magical way to get rid of the troll. Willow and Anya resolve their differences once they realize their mutual and, more importantly, non-conflicting love for Xander. Buffy, in her raw emotional state over Riley, gets a great deal of catharsis out of recognizing the strength of the love throughout the Scooby Gang. And Giles returns with little news from England, but clings to hope that they will come up with something soon. But in his roundtable discussion with Buffy and Joyce, they unwittingly allow Dawn to overhear that something about her is greatly amiss. What could possibly go wrong? Find out next time on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The end. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, down, down. Cold open. Yes. We open to Xander and Anya in bed. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. 90s sitcom live audience. Woo. <laughs> They're in bed talking about what is most important in these times of intimacy. Riley. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's important. We should definitely still yes. be talking about him. There's a little bit of humor here. Xander's like, I keep thinking I'm forgetting something. And Riley wanted to borrow a crescent wrench, and I never gave it to him. <laughs> but mostly he's crescent reflecting wrenches. on the fact that uh, Riley was here and then poof, gone. And it's subtly hinting that they don't actually know what the fuck happened between R Riley and Buffy. It's hinted through this whole episode that nobody actually knows what Riley was up to before Riley left. Oh, you mean the the getting suck jobs yeah. from vampires thing yeah. except for except for Spike. I think you might be right. 
Oh, I, I know I'm right, because it's, it's barely even subtext. I was like, well, no, they all know that he fucked off to the jungle to go fight demons or whatever. Right, but, but they don't yeah. know what he did before that. Right, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because anytime any of the Scoobies mention Riley, the way they talk about him is like he's poof gone, and they don't know what happened. And they miss him, and they're upset about it, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anya has a, a a moment where she expresses her fear of Xander leaving and, you know, wants him to make sure that if he does leave, that he, he does so with big flashing lights and neon signs. And one of those bomb countdown things that, that she has to disarm by cutting a wire and then he doesn't leave. <laughs> bomb timer. Got it. Yes. Which is exactly what Xander says. Yes. I also thought it was interesting that Anya lightly suggested that perhaps Buffy is creating a pattern of her own doing. Um, She didn't say that directly, but she did mention that this is two men now that she couldn't make it work with. What's the common denominator? Right. And she did mention that in all her years as a vengeance demon, she started to realize that some of these women who kept wanting vengeance on guys were kind of just making the same mistakes all over again but i call bullshit on that regarding buffy well yeah twice as a coincidence and also angel was a very special case yeah and riley was a not so special case well and i mean the simple fact was is that the relationship that went on with angel and how it ended was nothing like how things went with riley they're two completely different types of relationships and two completely different types of endings of relationships therefore no pattern exactly yeah the only similarity being, guy, didn't work. Yeah. You can't call that a pattern. Exactly. And Xander basically kind of expressed that himself. He doesn't think that it's Buffy that's the problem. Uh, but he does worry about how Buffy is dealing with Riley being gone. Yeah. Points for Xander for empathy. Yeah. Hurrah. Xander gets a lot of points this episode, actually. Yeah. He he almost gets back all the points that he lost last episode. Yes. <laughs> Uh, cut to some convent somewhere. Oh, no. Buffy's a nun. <laughs> oh, wait. No, she's not. She's just protecting one from being attacked by a vampire. Yes. Like she does. It's a pretty, you know, standard vampire kill. Yeah. How convenient is it that she just, like, what was she doing at that convent? Was she there to question the nun? Or what, did she follow a vampire there? Either way, it's extraordinarily convenient. More importantly, if you're a vampire, what the fuck are you doing anywhere near a convent? Right? There, like, Wouldn't there's they... holy water and crosses fucking everywhere. You would think that they can't even drink a nun's blood because it would be worse than holy water. Oh, yeah. Right? Shit, that never even occurred to me. It only just now occurred to me. <laughs> I'm a very smart man. <laughs> Worship me. <laughs> Sorry. Ugh. I'm trying. I'm trying, you guys. <laughs> well, you're not trying very hard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Shut up. That's the joke. Fuck! Put another joke, another coin in the joke jar. <laughs> Hope you got a lot. Thank you. Those are my coins, by the way, definitely. <laughs> They're not Rex's at all. And it's not the same one over and over. I promise. It's not. Anymore. I promise. Yes. All right. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, she kicks this vampire's ass, dusts him, 
and then immediately hits up this nun about how it's going for her, you know? How, how are you doing with all this abjuring of the company of men and whatnot? Do you have to be super religious? <laughs> and her very close second place concern is, how's the food? <laughs> Good question. I bet not a lot of nuns think about that before they yeah. become nuns. And then they go, uh, what's this garbage? I have a feeling that the food's probably good. It might be all right. I don't know. But, I mean, really, though... Enjoying the bounty of, of our Lord kind of thing, maybe? Sure. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not religious. Why be a nun, Buffy? I Just because you're upset about a dude? It, wouldn't you want to become a nun to worship God because you're really into God? Not the well, other way around. Obviously. I want to worship God because I need a way to avoid men? I think it's mostly the celibacy part. Have you tried being a lesbian first, at least? <laughs> Go talk to Willow and Tara. Try I'm sure they out. have tips. Right? They might even give you a dry run or a wet run. <laughs> All right, I'm done with that line of logic. Damn. <laughs> I just can't not be funny. <laughs> I'm not trying too hard. <laughs> fucking. You just can't fucking help I it. I just can't help it. I just don't know what to do with myself. Um. <laughs> oh. I'd kill to be a lesbian, Rex. But, you know, also. Well, luckily for, uh. You know, anybody in your line of fire, that is not how you can become a lesbian. Yeah, so. that's that's not how that works. <laughs> um, anyway, she could also just try to, you know, not have sex. That's also an option. Yeah, celibacy is a choice that it's, anybody can make. You don't need religion to be celibate. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a great option, but okay. Um... <laughs> uh, opening credits. Opening credits. You know what? In the spirit of naming a cat today, and the fact that we've we've only ever done the opening sequence to Angel in cats meowing sound effects. I'm not even going to make you put a coin in the jar because that wasn't that funny. I think that was pretty good, personally. <laughs> I was seeing the credits in my oh, head as I loud. did it. I think I need... I really need two coins in the jar for that one. No, no. I wrote that one before we started the episode, so... Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> it's all right. It's going to be okay, guys. <laughs> I better get some more cat reaction videos. <laughs> Thank you very much. And not just from Lego. Hi, Lego. How you doing, Lego? Who's a good kitty? Who's a good little Lego? Yeah? There, I talked to your cat. You're welcome. Um, well, Lauren's going to love that. I know. <laughs> anyway, opening credits, then we go to the back room. What's that about opening credits? No, shush. Oh. Sheesh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Meow. We go to the back room of the magic shop where there's some training going on. Buffy and Giles are, are uh, doing some training and, you know, having a very ca- casual conversation while doing training. Yeah. Mostly talking about uh, Giles uh, getting in touch with the Watchers Council about, you know, telling them about Glory, seeing what they will come up with, that sort of thing. Buffy expresses her concern that he's going to accidentally, unwittingly somehow lead Glory to Dawn if he gives them too much information about the situation, specifically the identity of Dawn as the key. But he swears that he's going to be super careful about that, and he won't ever mention Dawn specifically. Um, I don't know, though. If I were Glory, and I've been around as long as Glory has been around, I would see the Watcher's Council, and I'd be like, oh, look, a bunch of fucking nosy-ass Englishmen who can't keep their goddamn hands off other people's business. Well, I'm going to definitely want to infiltrate them and find out what they know, because they're going to fucking find out all sorts of shit. That That's logical. Absolutely. And I see where you're coming from. But I feel like Glory is so old that her sense of scale when it comes Maybe, to the yeah. goings-on of human beings is horribly askew. And realizing who's really relevant and who's not is probably increasingly more and more difficult for her. Like, the that- Ents from... Lord of the Rings. Right, but I think her noticing the Watcher's Council would make a lot of sense because they've been around for a super long fucking time. They've been around for most of human history. Sure. So, like, if she's going to notice anything about humans, it's going to be that. And, uh, well, because she noticed the monks. But I think she only noticed the monks because they had the key. Right. So, I'm wondering if there's a pattern there. Anyway, there's a little bit of heart-to-heart here between Buffy and Giles. Yeah. I can't really remember much of it off the top of my head, and I didn't write down much about it. Well, Giles points out that uh, contacting counsel is a last resort. He'd rather go to the government through the initiative, but that's that's gone. Riley's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that gets them on to talking about Buffy and Riley. Buffy's taking the breakup rather well. Yeah, um, maybe a little too well. Also, you know, it's my hope that she is maturing. She kind of picks on Giles a little bit because he says, you know, Riley was our last link to the government. And then he apologizes for using his name. And she's like, no, you can say his name. You know, these things happen. People break up and they move on. For a while, it feels like the end of the world. But big picture, Giles finishes her sentence thinking he's being accurate. And he says, not so huge. And she's like, not so huge. I just said it feels like the end of the world. Don't you listen? But then she lets up and she's like, no, I'm sorry. It's it's, yeah. it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> I'm here with the jokes and stuff. Yeah. Maybe I should make her put a coin in the jar. You absolutely should. <laughs> so she assures him that it's fine if he leaves. Um, in fact, good riddance. <laughs> uh, yeah. If it'll help us find out something about glory, I'm thrilled to have you gone. And uh, he, in return, jokingly takes the that the wrong way. And it's funny. Ha 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 ha. They should all be putting coins in the jar. Well, this guy wants to fight with weapons. I've got it covered from A to Z. From axe to Z other axe. I'm fairly certain I said no interruptions. Cut 
outside to the magic box proper. Yep. Which is where all the Scoobies are gathered. The whole. What do you call the the group noun of Scoobies? A gaggle of Scoobies. No. Oh God! It's a gang of Scoobies. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We only use it in almost every time that we say it. Yeah. Uh, I feel dumb now. The whole Scooby Gang is there. Start a new jar. We need a we need a dumb jar and a joke jar. I, no one has that kind of money. <laughs> Put a coin in the joke jar. Oh wait, you can be funny. Yeah, I can be funny. You can be funny. All right. It's it's so rare. <laughs> we'll never make any money if I'm putting money in the joke jar. <laughs> no, wait. the whole Scooby Gang is gathered. How are we making money if we're just <laughs> accumulating our own money in the joke jar? Are you keeping the money that I'm putting in the joke jar? Yes. All right. Well, we're going to have to talk about that later. (laughs) It's to hold you accountable. Did you know that the joke jar in itself is a joke? But it's your joke, so I don't have to to put the entire joke jar inside of itself. We're we're not trying to create a a paradox here. Yeah, good. You know, that would just be not accurate for this show. (laughs) Anyway, the whole Scooby gang is gathered. Uh, Anya is very excited about Giles being gone. Matter of fact, everyone's kind of excited about Giles being gone. Yes, yes. Everyone seems delighted about it. Uh, What they are not excited about, more specifically what Anya is not excited about, is the fact that she doesn't get to just run the store herself. And everyone else is not excited about Anya running the store herself. Yeah. I have a problem with this because, like... Shame on Giles, because, like, okay, he's being a very bad boss here for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, he's certainly not being very supportive. No, uh, like, A, he's not being very supportive of his employee. But the thing is, is he is not setting up any specific boundaries of what's going to happen with his store while he is gone. Yeah. He does not explicitly say that Anya's in charge. But he doesn't explicitly say that anybody's in charge. He just kind of lets it all fucking go. Yeah. And if he had fucking put boundaries in place because it's your fucking business, man, and Anya is your employee, these other people, yeah, they're friends, they're family, whatnot, but they are not your employee. If he really needed somebody to handle the interpersonal interactions that he doesn't trust Anya to do, he needed to specifically designate a person to do that. Exactly. And then we wouldn't have an episode. And so specifically, he w- should designate Xander to do it. Because honestly, if any of these people can deal with interpersonal relationships revolving around Anya, it's Xander because, you know... He's got a lot of practice helping out with that area. That's true. That's true. And they give it a real ma and pop shop feel. Yeah. 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 They're just a really young ma and pop. Exactly. Well, she's really old, but she looks really young. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in the from the perspective of writing, I don't like that they made Giles look incompetent because that seems out of character, but it set up the episode for the pins to fall the way that they did. Yeah. And... If they need to make Giles look a little scatterbrained, we can throw that up in the wind to because and blame it on him being worried about Glory and Dawn and right. oh, Joyce yeah. and whatnot. He is a bit preoccupied. He is. He is. Um, He's one of three people that know a thing 
a, a yes. big fucking important thing. A very big thing, yes. And he's one of the few people that of those three that is actually trying to do something about it. There we go. We explained it canonically. Yes. I like that. that. Works. Um, we, we resolved a problem. Isn't that wonderful? The problem resolved itself. Yes, but with us being the conduits. Yes. Give us some credit. Anyway, thus begins an episode of bickering between Anya and Willow. And what? it doesn't stop for a while. Well, golly gosh, I sure hope you don't mean for the rest of the whole episode. I mean for the rest of the whole episode. Certainly not the entire episode. The entire episode. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Gee whiz. Yeah, it gets old quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it also made it hard to take notes on these oh, long God, scenes yes. where there are a lot of little twists and turns in what the subject was that they were talking about, yep. and it couldn't just be explained away. So a lot of this is going to be just us kind of repeating a lot of exactly what happened in the scene. For me, yeah. anyway. Yeah, so... The, so the discussion here runs the, the gambit of Giles fucking off to Britain and Anya wanting to run the shop all by herself, which obviously we've already said that. Giles is terribly uncomfortable with the idea, comedically uncomfortable. Um, but they were trying to make it very funny just because of how he feels about who Anya is yeah. as a person. But in the end, he decides to call the airline to change his flight back to an earlier time. And uh, Willow agrees to help with the shop. Basically, so does everyone else. Despite Anya's protests. Yeah. I can't imagine any of them besides Anya having much time to help at all because of college, but okay. Right. So Xander changes the subject to Buffy and the well, ever so general subject. He specifically changes the subject when both Anya and Willow try to put him in between their issues. Oh, I see. I didn't even notice that yeah. that's, that's a thing that starts early in the episode. Yes, yes. Ah, well done. Um, Xander completely sidesteps that and... Brings everything around to talking to Buffy and... About her being a vampire slayer. Yes. What an excellent transition. Nice to have that conversational fallback. It's like a whole show is written about this damn job of hers. Buffy, the vampires, slaying them. It's all perfectly on topic. Yeah. Huh. She tells him about the convent and that she got to try on the nun's wimple. <laughs> wimple. Do you know what a wimple is? I do know what a wimple is. That's good. It's a it's a woman's head sock. Heads. I don't know that I would call it a sock. It's a head sock to make I, them. I was actually really confused because I always thought that the um I always thought that was the habit, but it turns out that the whole outfit is the habit. Ah. And I was very confused about that. So because I had to look up what the fuck a wimple was. Right. Yeah. Me too. And I'm like, oh, that makes some sense that the whole thing would be a habit. <laughs> okay, but yeah, Xander doesn't know what it is, and he's super uncomfortable all of a sudden. Kind of, sort of, quote of the day here. Buffy says, well, I killed something in a convent last night. And Xander retorts, in any other room, a frightening declaration. Here, a welcome distraction. Tell us all about the killing, Buff. And that's when she mentions that she... Put on a wimple. Saved a nun, tried on the wimple, and okay, now we're back to frightening, says Xander. Next scene. Buffy returns home to find Joyce is up and about and wearing clothing. Real clothes. And not her apparently smelly blue robe. Knitted by real clothing goblins. Or dwarves. Is that how you get your clothes? That's what I heard. And if you mistreat that, that them... That explains so much. If you mistreat them, they steal your underwear. That sounds unfortunate. For profit. For profit. 
<laughs> so uh, Buffy calls How in. Does that work? <laughs> they don't even know. <laughs> Buffy calls in Dawn to check it out. They uh, they joke uh, a bit. It's adorable. It's uh, they're really only about a quarter joking. They yeah. joke about burning the bathrobe, and uh, Joyce defends herself with the literal hole in her head as a point of presumed sympathy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so okay, make fun of the woman with a hole in her head. I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe give her a break. She's probably got a horrible headache. Uh, but she's also probably on some great drugs. Oh, yeah, I'm sure she is. But Buffy, nevertheless, decides to leave Joyce to rest. Good call. Dawn follows Buffy into her room and asks if she can hang out. Cue one of my absolute favorite fucking lines of Buffy, period. It, like, okay, it's not really that funny, but it's iconic to me because... This is a thing that my friend... So, my friend who introduced me to Buffy many, many years ago... Okay. Uh, this was one of her favorite lines. Mm. And we had this exact exchange all the fucking time where she'd be doing something. And I would ask, just like Don, what you doing? And she'd reply with, playing soccer. <laughs> because okay. Buffy's sitting reading a magazine and... It's just a good fucking response. Yeah. No, it's a combination of mind your damn business and what the fuck does it look like I'm doing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which is why when when I get up to look for something, I fucking, fucking hate it. When people don't let me just look for something. It's like, I'll find it in a moment's notice. If I need help finding it, I'll fucking tell you. But almost every time I get up and look for something, people are like, what you looking for? So I respond, dignity. <laughs> Just looking for my dignity. Oh, that explains it. Yeah. You don't have any of that. <laughs> what? Fuck you. But... <laughs> I, I mean... didn't think that's where you're going with that, you <laughs> asshole. <laughs> You've been looking for 37 years, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe more like 30, 36. 5, 34. Everybody sure, slowly sure. wicked it away from me. Yeah. Well, if you met your family. <laughs> <laughs> I have, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought that was relevant. But yeah, this is one of my quotes of the day. Soccer, just, dignity. What you doing? Playing soccer. Soccer players are generally looking for dignity as well. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. They they have money, though. They don't need dignity. <laughs> when you have enough money... You don't need to. Well, professional soccer players, maybe. Well, yeah, true, fair. I just meant all... So I was thinking Little League, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, Buffy actually lets Dawn come in and hang out, and they have a really good conversation here. Uh, a little bit about Riley, and, uh, you know, Dawn is being creepily insightful about their relationship. Yeah, it's super heartwarming. Sad Buffy is sad. Sibling bonding accomplished. Yes. Something, something. It'll get better, I hope, probably. Right? Okay, good chat. But we get another bit of Buffy being rather hopeful about herself and the relationship and everything. And, like, she's taking it really well. I was also surprised that Dawn seemed like she actually misses Riley. She's yeah. like, he left so fast. And uh, Buffy corrects her because apparently everyone else saw it coming. Yeah. And then Dawn actually validates Buffy's feelings um, because noticing it earlier doesn't make it any better. 
Because she was very much right. beating herself up that she didn't notice it earlier. And she's like, well, that doesn't wouldn't have made it any better if you had. So, yeah, Don being creepily insightful. Exactly. Yeah. And then from there we go to Spike's lair. And then I just I'm not sure how I felt about Buffy. It very much felt like Buffy was in the bargaining phase of grief here. She was like, maybe he'll come back and we can try again. And I can say all the things I didn't get to say. Everything's going to be fine. Ha 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 ha. I didn't read that so much from the scene. Well, no, she literally said, maybe he'll come back. I know she literally said that, but her tone to me was just, you know, kind of hopeful. Mm, it still Not felt a like a, it still felt like a little bit of denial to me. Okay, maybe. Um, maybe. And, like, she hasn't fully absorbed the the scope of the situation yet. And But that's also... I'm not saying that's a bad thing for her character or as a writer's choice or even a thing to do in real life. It's just a, a natural flow of how this right. might actually go down. And on the full scope of things, I feel like we watch her throughout this episode and all of her heart-to-hearts go through at least several of the stages of grief and it yeah. kind of logically concludes itself as we'll see towards the end of the episode. Yes. But that's all I have to say about that. Frankly, it's ludicrous to have these interlocking bodies and not interlock. Putrefying diseases. It'll make you blind and insane, but it won't kill you. Light a bunch of candles and have sex near them. This car, I like it. Please remove your and from there, we go to Spike's lair, where, you know, Spike is practicing having a heart-to-heart with Buffy. Spikey, 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 Spike, Spike! Just because I haven't done it in a while. And, you know, Spike's trying to have a heart-to-heart, or a practiced heart-to-heart, if you will. And I've <laughs> never seen someone's practice of a conversation go so, so badly. I know, right? <laughs> I normally really, really hate the trope of people practicing conversations by themselves, especially if it's in front of a mirror, um, and but also if it's to a fucking mannequin or if they're using a hairbrush as a microphone or some horse shit like that. Right. That's so fucking stupid, in my opinion, except apparently some people actually do these things. It feels really extra cheesy and unrealistic to me, though. Um, but this version, regardless of all that, <laughs> tickles my goddamn horny little bird hole. Uh, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. This one really puts a coin in the joke jar. <laughs> it tickles my horny little bird hole. You heard me. You heard me. I don't know that I can put a coin in the joke jar on that one. Because it wasn't funny? Because I don't. Maybe we only I don't know how I feel about that one. <laughs> Maybe we only need to put the coins in the jar when I'm trying too hard. I don't know if you were trying hard enough on that one. <laughs> well, birds, horny birds aren't funny. I... You know, my my great so, sometimes sometimes <laughs> you're just disturbing. That's, and that that's one of those times. That's okay. I uh, there's a lot of germs out there. <laughs> Oh, good. You heard that tone, too. Huh? <laughs> uh, stop it or I'll bury me alive in a box. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, this version tickles my happy hole. That's that's what I wanted to write, but I wanted to make it a little weirder. So, 
Well, Ex- you you succeeded. Excuse me. You succeeded. So Spike seems, <laughs> you know, fuck a doodle do. Happy little bird hole. Tickles my hat and whatever. We're done. We're done. I'm going home, but first I'm going to finish this episode. So Spike seems as if he's trying to practice telling Buffy that he didn't mean to fuck things up with her and Riley, but that he felt it was the right thing to do, but then he gets distracted by imagining her retorting to his bullshit, such as (laughs) insulting Riley and whatnot. You know, Uh, probably something about being a disingenuous, possessive douche. But hey, it's all speculation because it's all in his head. We don't actually hear... Any of the things he's imagining Buffy say. And then he beats the mannequin with the box of chocolate. As he calls her an ungrateful bitch and knocks over the mannequin. (laughs) I thought the funniest part was when he fixes, hard air quotes, the box of chocolates (laughs) to start over. Yeah. He just stuffs some empty papers back into it. I'm slightly disappointed that they didn't start the scene with a damaged box of chocolates. So that we could just assume that he's been at this the, for a this while. This is like the fourth or fifth time at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish he'd had a whole stack of boxes of chocolates. <laughs> oh, that would have been so good. And then a garbage can full of broken boxes of chocolates. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, come on, if you're going to make the joke, lean into it. <laughs> no, but uh, they only sprung for one box of chocolates for this scene. Yep. Yeah, so it. For once, it's probably a good thing that he's practicing. Yeah. And I think that's what bothers me the most about it is it's always something like, hi, oh, man, I'm so stupid. And just shut up. Just shut up. Yeah. Like he but Spike here obviously needs to, like, figure out how the fuck he's going to handle this conversation. He needs to be able to figure out how to make his case without preemptively calling her. An ungrateful bitch. <laughs> that seems important to the a little bit to his, you know, survival. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just for his sake, he might want to get over that, and he knows it. Yeah, <laughs> he he is a very self-aware vampire, <laughs> uh, especially for one without a soul. Yes. All right. Cut back to the magic box. Yes. Back to the magic box where Willow and Tara are stealing. They're stealing. Oh, that's wrong. You should shoplifting. You shouldn't do that ever. Yeah, because capitalism is good. I mean, free market, man. You should at least not do it from the store that your good friend owns, at the very least. But I still feel like they both have good points throughout this, and I'll get to them more as we describe more of the scene. But just to respond to that. It doesn't seem completely out of range of possibility that Giles would be supplying Willow with magical supplies. Right. Because she is a practicing witch. And it it's not like Giles knows a whole lot of practicing witches in the area. I think the part here that's missing is it's not so much that Giles would be like, oh, you can't you can't have this stuff to do this spell. It's that Giles would be like but why are you going to do this spell? And that's what I was going to get to later, is it's probably too dangerous and too advanced of magic for her to be doing, and that's why he would disapprove. Right. Not so much the the inventory issue. Yeah, it's definitely not the inventory issue. But at that at the same line, like, Willow is obviously doing this spell with these ingredients here and now because Giles is gone. 
Yes. She can get away with it, and she is outright fucking manipulating Anya to get away with it. I I absolutely agree. In this entire scene, Willow is being a hardcore brat. Being very bratty. That's the word I was going to use as well. Oh, my God. Like, I... This is the first time where we have a moment where I'm like, Willow, you are outrageously in the wrong right now. (laughs) Definitely having a delayed teenagerhood. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I get that. I feel like I've only recently (laughs) been living through some things that I probably should have done when I was a teenager, emotionally speaking. Yeah. You know? You know, we're millennials. We're we're (laughs) kind of... Behind the curve? Yeah. Late bloomers? I don't like the term late bloomers. I don't either. It's um, always made me feel weird. I don't like it. Arrested adolescence. Ah, yeah. That, that's the that's the, the phrase I really, really enjoy. Okay. But anyway, the spell is supposed to make fake sunshine that would potentially be able to dust vampires. And that could be very useful for Buffy. Yeah. So she's not wrong about that. No. But Anya takes issue with this mainly due to stealing. And uh, Willow just steamrolls her saying yep. that... Giles would be fine with it, but then... uh, Then why aren't you doing it with Giles? Right. Uh, Why'd you wait until the exact moment that he's gone? But Willow accuses Anya of being the nerdy fish from the Cat in the Hat, whom I just can't help but imagine with a German accent like the fish from American Dad. (laughs) Klaus. Willow, what are you doing? No, like, Willow's playing Anya this whole time, and... Purposely making Anya feel dumb. Yeah, I I don't know how much intention there was there, because Anya's retort was that she she's like, "Hey, you're using a story that I'm not familiar with because I you know I don't know modern popular uh, literature or shit." And I'm like, "Really? Okay, I guess she was still a a vengeance demon up until what two years ago? Yeah, three something like that." Yeah, and like you know, probably not too many vengeance demons out there reading the Cat in the Hat. There's a lot of media for her to catch up on. I'm sure Dr. Seuss is not very high on the fucking list. Yeah. I mean, my biggest problem here is just Anya's doing her goddamn job. Definitely. definitely. If it was anybody but Willow coming in and just picking shit up and trying to use it, like... She'd have tossed him out on their ass. Yeah. Absolutely. But Willow tries to get her to ease up by offering to teach her some tricks like levitation and starts levitating a bunch of things in the room... Specifically manipulating her with Anya's desire to fit in. Right. And she's jealous of Willow having powers and Anya doesn't have powers anymore. Yep. But Anya starts putting everything down that she's uh, floating. And didn't she say something about peer pressure and drugs at some point? Yeah. She likened uh, it to peer pressure. Yeah. Because she's like, she told Willow that you're peer pressuring me. This is like trying to get me to use drugs or something. Along hey, those man, lines. peer pressure isn't cool, which you know, is a really nerdy thing to say in a in a social situation. But that that actually occurs to me. Um, but the you know, uh, growing up, I always thought I would be actively peer pressured a lot more than oh, I right? ever was. Yeah, nobody really wants to give away their drugs. Oh no, no, <laughs> no one gives away drugs. <laughs> well, that's not entirely true. But they're certainly not giving it to your children on Halloween. Right, that's something we can be sure of. Also, if your kid is just not cool, they're fine. They're no no one's going to want to give your uncool kid drugs. Oh, right? Yeah. It, it's if you're raising a cool kid, uh then then be then be worried. Pretty sure that's generally in the blood though. Nerdy people raise nerdy kids, cool people raise cool kids. I don't yeah. know. Not too worried about it. Anyway, 
Xander enters amidst this argument, and uh, they try to get him to mediate for them. And then he promptly leaves. He's like, yeah, no, fuck that. Uh, Anya... Smart man, Xander. <laughs> Smart man. In this situation, yes. Uh, Anya exclaims that Will is a burglar and begs Xander to defend her because... Giles left her in charge, and now Willow is being very dismissive about all these accusations, justifying it by saying what she's doing is a good thing. It's not a very terribly strong argument, if you ask me. I think Anya's absolutely right, and Willow is being a brat. Yep. And making excuses to try shit that Giles would deem too dangerous, but we already covered that. And then accidentally makes the cash register disappear. You literally just read the next line off of my page. That's creepy. (laughs) Uh, But then she brings it back. A little bit worse for wear, though. Yeah, a little worse for wear. And, of course, Anya's worried about the money. And then Willow starts fucking mocking her for it. Yeah. Here's my problem. I This is a quote of the day for okay, me. go ahead. Anya says, she endangered the money. Willow says, of course. That's what she cares about. I like money better than people. People can so rarely be exchanged for goods and or services. <laughs> Anya responds, Xander, she's pretending to be me. (laughs) And no matter how wrong anybody is in this situation, that was fucking funny. It was. The thing about this situation, though, is that, like, that money in the register isn't Anya's. It's Giles's money from running the store. Yeah. Like, if that money were poof gone, that would be a problem for Giles's store. Yeah, Willow's not responsible for it if she loses it, but... Anya would squarely get blamed. Like, I understand But also, Giles is a reasonable person and would listen to their explanation of the situation. Like, I mean, he seems pretty fine with the the store being destroyed by a troll. (laughs) He's very calm about that. Yeah. But again, Anya's just being a good fucking employee and Willow's being a pain in the ass brat. And Xander ain't having it and he fucks right off. Nope. He's like, no, I'm... I'm not having this. I'm I'm not getting in the middle of this. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck me. I'm out of here. And then they try to get Tara to mediate. <laughs> and she's like, no. Who also fucks right off. And uh, Tara had already made it clear earlier that she thinks that they should just pay for the stuff and not fight with Anya about yep. it. And so that's really shitty for Willow to be trying to drag her into this. Yeah. So when both Xander and Tara are not backing up Willow, you know she's being a fucking prat. Yep. I'm not in your room. I'm in the hallway. The hallway doesn't belong to you. Mom, I could stand in the hallway, right? My friend Sharon's older brother knows a girl who died because she choked on her boyfriend's tongue. Cut to moments later as Willow is mixing ingredients for the spell, and Anya (laughs) is commenting on the price of each ingredient as she pours them into a cauldron. I think this is a decent fucking compromise. I think so, too. And you know what? My solution would have been, don't even pay for it now. We'll start you a tab, and we'll see if Giles waves it. Yes. When he gets back. Exactly. But then, of course, we wouldn't have a story. This Well, we, in- we might. She might have agreed to that, but neither of them suggested it. I mean, that's kind of what they're doing right now, right. though. Uh, this turns into more bickering. Anya interrupts the spell, they argue, and essentially accidentally summon a troll. Whoops. And again, I squarely blame Willow, even though Anya was kind of purposefully... Anya knows enough about magic to not fuck with it. Yeah. Like, come on. And then, so they're both at fault, really, but Willow's the one who stopped in the middle of the spell. What she knew, she said very 
right before she started, she was like, any little miswording could really fuck up this spell. But then she stopped to go argue with Anya. More importantly, she made the choice to stay in the magic shop doing the spell. She could have just been like, you know what? Fine. And take the ingredients and fucking go home and do the spell. Oh, yeah. She did not have to be there. Also true. She could have done the spell fucking anywhere. But then we wouldn't have a story. Yeah, I know. But, uh... But yeah, they accidentally summon a troll. He destroys some shit and then leaves. Yeah, he gets right to smashing up the shop. And then fucking off to where there are more things to smash. Yes. He likes smashing stuff. Uh, Willow's closing line on this scene. He's not a ball of sunshine. (laughs) Which I found funny and clever. Yes. That is a quote of the day nominee right there. Cut to a college classroom. A specifically Greek art classroom that Tara and Buffy have together. Yeah. I'm really happy of this having this scene. Like, how many fucking scenes have we gotten where Tara is with one of the other Scoobies and Willow is not there? Not many. Not enough. Not enough. Yeah. Tara is a delightful fucking character. Indeed. But yeah, uh, they have the class together. Buffy's uh, a bit... Worried about the class being a bit much, but I guess her other option was like Central American politics or some shit like that. Yeah, she's really avoiding Central American geopolitics. Yeah, that that's what it was. Because she's afraid of hearing the word jungle because it might remind her of Riley. Which but you know, that's that's kind of fair. Okay, it's, I, fre- it's a fresh wound here. It is, it is, but it still felt like a kind of a flimsy excuse. Oh well. Um, so this transitions into her saying, I'm starting to get perspective on the whole situation. You know, maybe Riley's where he's supposed to be. You know, maybe he needed to be where he was needed. Yeah, she's getting real insightful. Three for three on the heart-to-heart conversations here. Except. Yes. We get a little bit of a hint that maybe, maybe not all is right in the Buffy world. (laughs) Because Tara mentions just a little hint of some little bit of strife going on in the Scooby gang and just says the word Xander left. Oh yeah. And that quickly gets misinterpreted even after Tara tries to rephrase it frantically. And Buffy just spirals quickly into this blubbering mess, projecting all of her emotions about Riley onto Xander and Anya's relationship. They have a miraculous love. Yeah. Stuff like, uh, Little things get bigger, and if you don't catch the little thing, then boom, you have this whole huge thing. They can't break up. They have a beautiful love. But, you know, I think it's it's good for... I think Buffy's making progress, and it's good for her to get these things out. Oh, yeah. You and gotta fucking cry. And it's even healthy for her to be recognizing um, and appreciating the relationships around her that are oh, yeah. important to her as well. Um, and it's all this kind of seamlessly well-knitted-together mesh of emotions. I, I liked it. It is, uh, it's an overreaction, and it's a sign that she's probably bottling some shit up that she probably shouldn't be. I mean, I don't think it's an overreaction. I think it's just a trigger, and it's letting out some emotions that, yeah, she had been bottling. In the sense that she misinterpreted the thing about Xander yeah. leaving, yeah. But we know that's not what it was really about. Right, right. She's trying to keep up this facade all the time. So we know what's really going on. I don't think she was that dumb or that she really misinterpreted it so much as it just 
triggered some other things in her. Yeah. Anyway, cut to the exact opposite of cathartic, healthy emotion releases. <laughs> and now we're in Giles's car with Anya yes. driving, which isn't scary at all. Which we learn in this scene, she only just figured out she can drive. Yeah. Well, you know, how does she know if she can drive or not if she's never tried it? <laughs> and uh, yeah. Willow is frantically flipping pages to find a way to reverse whatever the fuck they did and put the troll back wherever it came from. I like the fact that uh, apparently Giles just leaves his car parked with the top down because they didn't know how to get the top up. Yeah, that seems problematic at best. Or maybe they're filming with a convertible because it's easier. I mean... Notice how Angel also drives a convertible? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> so they keep arguing the whole time about petty things, like whose fault it is, whether or not Anya knew how to drive before she started driving, whether or not Xander's balls are completely in Anya's purse, you know, petty shit. There's this thing that happens in scenes in a car, or when there's a car being driven. Like, it works in this scene, but it always drives me nuts when you, you have these kind of moments where there's a conversation going on between a person in the passenger seat and the driver, and the driver isn't looking at the road nearly enough. Oh, right, yeah. And it always just irritates the fuck out of me. But this is one of those instances where Anya is not looking at the road nearly enough, but it makes perfect sense that she's not looking at the road nearly enough. Hmm. And I'm okay with it. But every single time that she's, like, looking at Willow and talking about driving, I'm like, oh, God, they are going to fucking hit something. And it, like, filled me with real anxiety. Oh, right. <laughs> well, and they even use it during the scene. Buffy keeps pointing at the road at things, and Anya has to swerve and shit. So, yeah, it wasn't just bad storytelling. Right. It was canonical. Yeah. But I can't, I mean, I can't imagine being that confident of a driver on my first time, but, you know, it takes all kinds. My favorite part, though, was the moment where she's like, what if I press this one harder? I think that will accelerate us. And she presses the gas and she's looking at Willow when she does it. And that just, <laughs> was... uh, the idea that she's pressing the gas, like stomping on the gas, but not looking in the direction she's going, just... Very fast and furious. Oh, God, that, no, I... Also very I. Fun yep. fact, I'm a very anxious passenger in a car. I don't like being a passenger in a car. You have no idea how much I was trying to press on the brakes <laughs> while I was riding with you the other day. <laughs> now, you're a fucking psychopath. I drive a Mini Cooper! I I get it. You're a confident driver. I'm also a confident driver, and I freak people out, too. Yeah. And that's fine. Uh, what bothered me about this scene was whenever they see something destroyed on the side of the road... It very obviously looked like some rust bucket that had been smashed up that they pulled from a junkyard. Right. It didn't yeah. look like a fresh new car that had a hammer put through it, which is fine when you're on a budget. And right. I don't blame them for not smashing up new cars. But also, how hard is it to find newer cars that are smashed up in a junkyard? That's fair. They're probably still more expensive, though, because... <laughs> If you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna source out the parts that are still usable, whatever. Very much so. Anyway, it was noticeable and it pulled me out of it a little bit. Yeah, it probably wasn't meant to be this high definition. Well, see, that's the other thing too is I'm also watching it as more of the original release recordings, and you're you're watching it on like Hulu. Or I'm not watching right? Buffy on Hulu. I downloaded it. Uh, I mean, I bought it legitimately, <laughs> and I'm watching it. Do you watch it widescreen? I think so, yeah. You should crop it. Uh, 
You should. You should crop it to 4.3. It... That's not going to change the resolution, though. No, but it does changes what is shown on the screen, and you don't see what's in the in the sides so much, and you see exactly what they meant for you to see. Yeah. No, I do remember you talking about that, and I keep forgetting to do that. I'm, I'm going to try that next time. Um, hey, Josh. Yes, Rex? Guess where we're going. Da bronze. Oh, it's been a bit. Woo! It's been a bit. We got to say it, everybody. Yes. Ah. Oh. So speaking of catharsis, Xander runs into Spike, literally. <laughs> yeah. And Xander tells him to fuck off. And when he gets there, keep fucking off, you know, etc. Not literally. He figuratively tells him to fuck off. Yeah, Unfortunately, I, he, I would have really loved it if he literally told him to fuck off. That would have been fun, too. Yeah. But Spike takes this as a cue to not fuck off. Yeah, he's not going to fuck and off. And instead, fuck with Xander. <laughs> uh, okay. Spike does a thing that I love. There have been a few times in my life, Josh, where I have done this. And you know what? We have both part- partook in this pastime, and that is called... Partookity taken? Th- that is called trolling with proximity. Okay. It's where you go to a place, and you know there's someone in that place that doesn't want you there. But it's a public place, <laughs> and they can't do anything about it. <laughs> and you just be there, and they get angrier and angrier. You don't. E- you don't even have to interact with them. You just... Be there, reminding them of your existence. I love it. Sit at a table. I love it. Directly next to them and make very strong eye contact. Yes. Yes. Did I ever tell you the story uh, that I uh, went full hog wild into trolling by proximity? Recently? No, this is a while back. There was a group of guys that were once kind of my friends, but they... Uh, one of them told me that I couldn't be friends with this other person, mutual friend that we, or mutual person that we knew. Sure. Um, and here's the thing. You don't fucking tell me who I can and can't be friends with. Yeah. It was very much a, well, if you're friends with him, you can't be friends with us. Bullshit. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know what? Funny thing you say there. I guess I'm not friends with you. <laughs> <laughs> and... So they hated me. Mm-hmm. And I lived in a small ass town that there was nowhere to fucking go at night. There was a donut shop that was open 24 hours and they would go up there to play Magic the Gathering. And it was just hilarious to me because I would show up there later than them because they didn't have anything going on. And I had a fucking job. So I'd get there well after them. I would come in. I would sit down. I wouldn't fucking say a word. And they would finish the game of Magic that they're playing, and they'd start packing up. Mm -hmm. Most nights, they would pack up and leave, and I would just get a good little chuckle. But this night, I come in, and I sat down, and they started to pack up, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to fuck with them further. And then I got up and left before they did. So I went out to my car, and they unpacked (laughs) and started a new Magic game. And I, I drove to the gas station, which I actually needed to buy something from the gas station. And then I came back and I came back in when they're in the middle of a game again. <laughs> <laughs> Just to stretch it out. <laughs> Such a dick. Uh, to be fair, they were dicks first. They sounded like they deserved it. That's <laughs> they fine. did. But yeah, Spike engages in this fun, fun activity of trolling by proximity. Spike also thrives on being unwelcome <laughs> in a public place, specifically. He sits down with Xander. Yeah, he and they're goes talking. a bit further. 
and he, he tries to take one of Xander's nuts, who slaps his hand away. And peanuts, then, mind you. Peanuts. peanuts. Yeah, actual <laughs> edible nuts. Uh, just, not, this is radio. They don't know. Not testicles. No, I know. I'm just, I'm helping you. Help me. Help me help you. <laughs> so Spike takes this opportunity to go fishing to see if he can figure out just how pissed Buffy is at him. And this is where we get another little hint here that Xander and the rest of the Scoobies do not have any idea what actually happened between Buffy and Riley. Okay. Because he has no idea why Buffy would be pissed at Spike. Yes, that's true. That is a big clue. Yeah, because Spike's like, is this all sympathetic misery borrowed from the Slayer? What? No, nothing to do with Buffy. So she's all right then. Not, uh... Holding grudges? What are you talking about? What does Buffy have to do with anything? What grudges? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, no need to talk about her then. I'm sure she's merrily slaying some pals of mine. Having a grand old time. Yeah. Yeah, that was that scene. I will always be here for you. And you've got Mr. Giles and your friends. Believe me, it's nothing to be afraid of. Cut back to the magic box. Uh, where Buffy and Tara discover that the place is a bit, um, messy. Fucked? I mean... Fuck off! (laughs) Sorry, we need a... Need a coin in the joke jar there. My bad. This, uh... That's becoming a classic, though. (laughs) I'm a fan. Yeah, Tara starts to panic, thinking that Willow's hurt. Uh, Buffy keeps Mm -hmm. her shit together because she's a hero and stuff. And uh, it's funny because they they had no idea that anything had happened. Right. But they were just coming to get Willow to go get a burger. Yeah. Burger, burger, burger. Burger sounds good. Yeah, it does, damn. So now it's time for them to go find a Willow burger. Yes. Um, Which is going to be difficult. Well, actually, no, it's going to be delicious because she's a vegetarian. (laughs) Isn't she? I don't know. I don't think so. I thought she was. Maybe it's Tara that's the vegetarian. Somebody's a fucking vegetarian. I I don't think anyone here is vegetarian. Really? Not that I'm aware of. Maybe I'm stereotyping. I don't know. I think you're stereotyping. Oh, jeez. I should stop that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cut to random place in the city at night where the troll is terrorizing the townspeople. He's having a grand old time smashing up the mailboxes, yelling at peasants. He will rape their daughters and raise their farmland. And then he smells some beer and he's on his way to the bronze. That's it's not flimsy yeah. rushed writing at all. I mean, you know, beer. Beer, yeah. I he's a troll. Why yeah. wouldn't he want beer? He he's obviously a Viking troll. He could also sense that Spike was trolling Xander. Yeah. And where there's trolling happening, trolls need to troll. Yeah. Trolls, trolls gonna, gonna troll. troll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jinx, you owe me a coke. Uh, Except I don't actually want a yeah, coke. Fuck that. I have I enough have ginger beer. Hey, that works. I still have ginger beer. Yes. Lots of ginger beer. That sounds really good. All right. Back to the bronze. Yeah. Where Spike and Xander are playing pool and they're talking relationship stuff. Apparently Xander just gave up with the getting Spike to leave him alone thing. Yeah, and they're like, take, I guess we're going to be buddies now. It didn't take long at all for Xander and Spike and their bickering to turn into a friendly game of pool, which yeah. thinly veils their desire to vent about their respective relationship troubles. Yeah. I, I mean... Hard air quotes on Spike's relationship troubles here. <laughs> right. And right 
right when Spike is gearing up to kind of out himself uh, as being a bit wound up over Buffy, let's say, they're a very unlikely duo. Um, You know, with Riley gone, Xander's got no man buddies now. So I guess it's time for him to make with the Spikey Spike buddy buddy. Yeah. Honestly, they make a decent buddy cop pair. Absolutely. It was just like his love-hate relationship with Angel. You know, how he slowly came around. He's, uh... It just makes sense that he'd be shooting three for three on being frenemies with all of Buffy's boyfriends. Yeah. I mean, not we we don't know that Spike's going to hook up with Buffy. That seems highly Although unlikely. they don't ever end up in a relationship. Don't they? No. I feel like they do. No. Whatever, we'll get there when we get there. Anyway, they definitely count as a couple, though. They don't. Whatever. So Xander's complaining about feeling like the referee and how Willow seems to disapprove of him being with Anya... And Spike actually empathizes by saying, I know that look. A lot of people never really got Drew, you know? <laughs> and Xander's just like, yeah, well, Drew was insane. And then he keeps going on with <laughs> this uh, friend versus girlfriend song and dance that he was talking about. Spike, again, completely wrapped up in his own little world, obviously here, starts rambling incoherently about being preoccupied and blaming innocent bystanders in regards to Buffy, yeah. which of course is completely fucking in his head. Uh, he's probably just so used to being blamed for everything that he expects it now. Right. Which uh, a lot of shit's his fault. He should yeah. be blamed for it. <laughs> um, I don't know. Now, yeah, great. Now I'm empathizing with Spike being. It's whiny. like someone getting caught that they're. Or that's like someone getting angry that they've been caught doing something dumb. Yeah, exactly. It's like, maybe you shouldn't be doing something dumb. Responding to guilt with anger is a sign of a narcissist, definitely. Yeah. But their conversation is interrupted when... The troll bumps into Spike. Yeah, big old green troll. A little out of place here. Cue one of my runner-up quotes of the day. Spike says, hey, watch it, mate. Troll turns around. Second thought. You do what you like. <laughs> <laughs> My quote of the day from this particular exchange was Xander saying, I'm going to run and get Buffy. Or maybe you could fight him. Spike says, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But first, the troll shotguns a keg. He does, in fact. A whole keg. A whole keg. That's just a lot of beer. <laughs> also, that's just neat. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, that's just his first serving. That's like a beer for him. So, yeah, we th- there's a couple of good exchanges here. Uh, and it starts with Xander saying, I'm going to I'm going to run and get Buffy or or you could fight him to, to Spike. Yeah, I could do that. But I'm paralyzed with not caring very much. And then at this point, the troll is like yelling for babies. He wants to eat babies. I want babies. And he points at Spike. He's like, you there. Do you know where there are babies? You know what? Spike does know where there are babies. <laughs> he's very helpful, in fact. Yes. I'm, I'm, the hospital? I don't know. What do you think, Xander? The hospital? Xander's <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. What the fuck? <laughs> We're not giving him babies. Spike's like, what? What? <laughs> Trying to get rid of him. He doesn't say that, but yeah, that's the look on his face. It was very helpful of him. I don't see what the problem is. But Mr. Old Wet Blanket Xander Harris seems to think that eating babies is, like, wrong or something. <laughs> so we'll go with that, I guess. Anyway, yeah. still with the whole hungry troll issue, Xander tries to offer him some bar food. And Spike, God bless his soullessness, they've got this onion thing. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the blooming onion thing. <laughs> 
I that oh, was it's... one of the funniest lines in the show to me. Yeah, it's good. So, it's really good. but like any proper drunk man at a bar, this troll will not be appeased by deep fried onions. I mean, what do you mean, like any proper drunk man in a bar? I mean, they're just the root of a weed. <laughs> Get the fuck out. He wants meat. He needs meat, boy. boy meat. Deep fried onion is delicious. Uh, they are. I'll eat a deep fried onion any day, all day. I don't consider myself a proper drunk man at a bar. I suppose. I consider myself a... I'm, I'm better. I'm better. <laughs> Better than everybody, Rex. Don't you know that? Haven't you met me? <laughs> That's where that was going. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Fuck you. So yeah, babies. He needs babies. Yeah. The man knows what he wants. Uh, enter Willow and Anya. Oh, look, there's a troll. Yeah. And then uh, Willow wishes Buffy's presence. And ta-da, it worked. Voila. Voila? Voila. Isn't it voila? Yes. <laughs> Yes, it is. <laughs> you have confused me yet again. <laughs> so, yeah, the unlikely d duo of Tara and Buffy are there. And uh, just in case, just in case, Willow wishes for a million dollars. Just in case. Because you know what? I would have too. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. When, you, when something like that goes your way, you test shit. Yes. <laughs> so, you have a scientific method here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Actually, maybe they're a very likely duo since all of this Riley nonsense. Maybe she's taking my advice, Rex. <laughs> Tara, teach me how to lesbian. <laughs> Home Depot, U-Haul, chopsticks. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that's an entirely different script. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> no more no more slasher fanfic. My bad. <laughs> Not for now, anyway. <laughs> so Willow attempts again to do the spell, and the troll interrupts, like trolls do. Like you do. And then it turns out, hey, this troll knows Anya. Yeah, it's very much a record scratch moment. They dated. He cheated. She trolled him. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. Yeah. That's... Well, yeah, I'm yeah. proud of it. I almost said well done, but I didn't want to compliment you too much. <laughs> so I thought it was hilarious. Anyway, Anya tells Willow to do the spell, which she starts to do, which gets the troll's attention very quickly. Yep. And uh, somehow, did you know that the, uh, that the troll's name is Olaf? Yes. Do they say it anywhere in the episode? Uh, they do. A couple of times Anya mentions his name. Okay. Uh, but not this scene, and they don't explicitly say his name is Olaf. Okay. Well, anyway, Willow's doing the spell, and he screams, stop! And Willow's like, nobody lets me finish. <laughs> and uh, he's like, you you told the witch to do that on Yonka. You seem determined to put an end to all my fun, just like you always did when we were dating. Record scratch dun, dun, dun. moment. <laughs> Anya quickly explains he wasn't a troll when they dated, just a big dumb guy, and she made him into a troll when he cheated on her. Yep. Which is how she got hired as a vengeance demon. And then I like uh, the line here. Xander's like, uh, but but you seem to enjoy being a troll. And the troll says, I adjusted. Ha, ha, ha. Well, you know, you would. I mean. Makes sense. You don't really have a choice at that point. He seemed 
pretty like he probably would have been pretty troll like as a human too. Yeah. It turns out that after he adjusted to being a troll, he was trapped by witches and put in a crystal. And so the spell that Willow did and Anya fucked up released him from a crystal. Yep. What are the odds? How the hell did Giles get a hold of that crystal? That's what I want to know. I want to know why why in the hell was that being sold for with the rest of the crystals? Like, man, someone was going to get a deal off that. Right? They were going to get a whole troll and a crystal? That's just... <laughs> that's mismanagement there. Well, I mean, you wonder where are they getting these supplies? We don't know. We know that they're legitimately magic supplies. Yeah. And if Anya was going around losing track of shit for a thousand years, you know, that kind of archaeological shit builds up somewhere. It's gotta, you know. That's fair. Anyway. I mean, you know, maybe they need to check where they're where they're getting those supplies. Maybe they, they have some questionable sources that they need to change up. You don't want to start selling troll crystals with your regular crystals. Like, you gotta up the price on those troll crystals. Or it's just a big ludicrous plot hole. I thought it was funny that he swears he didn't cheat on her in his heart. Right. When she turned him into a... I almost said a newt. When she turned him into a troll. <laughs> she uh, turned me into a newt. I got better. <laughs> and he was just very drunk and it was only one wench. Which, frankly, I found kind of reasonable. As a polyamorous man, you know. <laughs> obviously... It was intended at the time to sound fucking ludicrous because obviously, you know, heteronormative, toxic monogamy, etc. Yeah. But, you know, he does plenty of things to make us dislike him throughout the rest of the episode. Anyway, he's still smashing shit up. Willow's trying to get through the whole ass spell again, and this time she does. But slide whistle. Yeah. The spell doesn't work. And then, you know, Buffy decides that she's going to kick some ass. Yeah, why not? That's what Buffy. That's what Buffy does. Yeah, she kicks some ass. Spike attempts to help, but he just gets punched for it and gets Buffy thrown at him, which he enjoys a little too much. Yep, uh, much too much. Uh, not too much. Uh, much too much. <laughs> yeah, uh, Buffy falls on top of Spike. Uh, like the look on his face, he's like, "Oh yeah, baby." Yeah. Well, and he's like holding on to her when trying to stand up, and like he's I, I groping think, and it's I think from her perspective, he was just using her. To help him also get up, and she's got more than enough extra strength that it well, wasn't yeah. a problem. But he was copping a feel, yeah, definitely. Um, hey, stomachs are sexy. What are you? And then do? Uh, the troll collapsed the place, which you know that's kind of a decent strategy. It was. He. he it really felt like a video game moment. He starts hammering out all of the balcony pillars, right? Like, and the- brings down the whole the whole catwalk, leaving a bunch of patrons literally hanging from the rafters. The only thing that was missing from that was there was no flashing red lights on the fucking poles. Right? <laughs> like, all we needed was some, some fucking electro music. Anyway. Next thing we know, fucking Mega Man busts through the wall. Exactly. <laughs> so, the balcony not only leaves patrons hanging from the rafters, and several of them fall and get injured... But yep. the balcony itself falls onto Buffy. Once upon a time, there was um, a kitty. She was very little, and she was all alone, and nobody wanted her. Did the kitty get chosen by some nice people? Well, now you ruined the ending. 
cut to uh, it's probably just like a few seconds later right right after the commercial where they lift the wreckage off from buffy it's yep. really no big deal for buffy fucking spike he wants credit for not eating the injured people and buffy's disgusted by it i mean As given that should be <laughs> given that he's a vampire without a soul i think that's pretty impressive but also painfully suspicious and out of character yeah so buffy is therefore disgusted uh yeah and then she has uh willow and anya run back to the magic shop to find a spell that will work and she tells xander to go follow olaf yeah cut to the magic box where anya and willow start doing some researching and of course they have to bicker the whole fucking time they're researching they do but at least at this point we do we do get some fucking light shed on this bickering bullshit. Finally. And it's based basically what it all fucking comes down to here is Anya is worried about Willow because Anya understands what ended the relationship between Xander and Cordelia, mm-hmm. which was make it makeouts with Willow. Mm-hmm. And so she's worried that Willow doesn't approve of Anya and that Willow is going to break up Anya and Xander. And then Willow is worried that Anya is a vengeance demon and will just hurt Xander. And they both think that the other one will just hurt Xander. And they're both worried about Xander. And it's like, for fuck's sake, you both care about the guy. You're supposed to be on the same team here. Yeah, turns out they are. They're both Team Xander. Yeah. And uh, Willow makes a good point that Anya doesn't really need to worry about Willow because she's gay now. Yeah, the line is, well, hello, gay now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they both love Xander, and that that's what matters. Yeah, they make and... up over their mutual, but as I said earlier, not conflicting love for Xander. Exactly. Um, their mutual and completely appropriate love for xander yes that's the exact way to put it and then enter olaf yeah olaf breaks through the door so we can finally be done with all this fucking bickering between anya and willow and olaf has himself a nice little villain speech as he's towering over a cowering willow and anya and he's like i could be eating babies and making merry with the local virgins and i'm like man this guy's kind of out of touch i think he needs I think he needs a Tinder account or something. <laughs> Why would you want virgins anyway? Right. Can you imagine getting on Tinder and being like, I only want virgins? I don't think it would go over very well. No. I think there'd be a lot of swiping I mean, left. Also, you know, you know he would fucking just put a photo of him fishing, holding the fish. Like, you know he'd do it. I don't get it. That's like the most common fucking picture that any oh. guy posts on ah. Tinder is... Old and a fish. I've actually never been on any dating apps or websites, so that's funny. But yeah. So they wait patiently for him to uh, finish his speech before deciding that now they should run. Yes. Now that they're conveniently within arm's reach of him. Yes. And so he takes this moment of pure convenience and picks them up and throws them. He yeets them across the counter and then gets a very perverted look on his face like he's about to jerk off while bashing their skulls in which with all the virgin and babies talk it seems kind of likely yeah yeah enter the hero of our story strangely xander thank god it's xander and tgix i guess you 
Here's the thing, though. He attacks Olaf. Hey, Olaf, I'd like you to give me multiple concussions, please. Olaf does keep hitting him with the hammer, but he keeps getting back up. Yeah. Like, Xander takes a hell of a fucking beating here. Just that first fucking hit, he puts zero effort into it with his hammer, and Xander just fucking runs right into it. Right? Frankly, I wouldn't have gotten back up from just that one. And, you know, we say hammer, but it's really an anvil on a stick. (laughs) (laughs) Warhammer, yes, definitely in the vaguest sense of the term. (laughs) <laughs> Anvil on a stick. That's that's definitely more accurate. But Xander pops right back up like a fucking mole at the arcade. <laughs> and Olaf hammers him back down, not to belabor the analogy, but like a mole at the fucking arcade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Xander gets up again. And Olaf is just as surprised as we are. Right? Like, he gets, he gets hit with his fucking hammer at least four or five times. He's... He's so surprised that he actually lets Xander get a punch in. Right. And I think he just did it for fun, really. It's like he wanted to he just wanted to see how hard Xander could hit. Exactly. Probably. He just wanted to feel something. I don't think he did though. I don't know. And then he <laughs> and this time he bonks him on the head like a fucking Peter the Rabbit bonking field mice. <laughs> and so we're on concussion number two and one crushed shoulder. At this point. And a bloody mouth. Yeah. he's Oh, he clearly bit down on a blood capsule. He's got the bloody teeth thing. Uh, that always grosses me out. But man, good old nice guy Xander's going real strong here. Yep. Not because he's being a nice guy douche, but just because he'll never outlive that name as far as I'm concerned. And, and then the troll... Now Xander uh, tries to get away from him by climbing the ladder to the loft. Not really sure what his end game was here other than probably just get the fuck away because he's in a lot of pain. Uh, but Olaf grabs him off of the ladder and body slams him. And uh, now Olaf is impressed. Right. He's really impressed. So he picks him up and he gives him an option. Yeah. Uh, rather than just killing them both, he's going to only kill one of the women. I shall reward you. And and hey, Xander gets to pick which one he eats. <laughs> I'm only going to kill one of them. You're welcome. And, you know, Xander... Xander refuses to make a choice, and by doing so, he has made a choice, and that choice happens to be have a broken wrist. Oh, yeah. Also, he was about to get his own skull crushed in, so the wrist was really the least of his concerns for the moment. I mean, if you have to make a choice, head crushed in, broken wrist, you go with the broken wrist. Yeah, if you have to choose one or the other. But if... Both are inevitable. I would request the smashed skull first. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Willow then attempts a spell again and then disappears the register again. Which was kind of funny if it, you were paying yeah. attention. It, to... it was rather funny. And just in time, Buffy and Tara run in. Yes. Buffy starts kicking Olaf's ass while Anya tells Buffy his strength is the hammer. <laughs> Willow tells Anya to distract Olaf. She has faith in her ability to piss off literally no, no, no. anyone. This, this is one of my quotes of the day. Uh, Willow's like, just, you know, piss him off. And Anya has doubts. And Willow says, Anya, I have faith in you. There is no one you cannot piss off. <laughs> and yeah, she does well. Yeah. She adequately pisses him off. She's certainly not wrong in this particular situation. But, you know, she has faith. Had yes. it been another situation, I also have faith in her ability to annoy. 
It, it doesn't really seem to help, though. It only seems to get Buffy's ass kicked harder because right. Olaf ends up picking her up mid-taunting and just whacks her with the hammer across the fucking room like a goddamn baseball bat and a ball. I mean, it works. Willow's able to do the spell that gets the hammer away from him. It, it, it works eventually. I, I wanted to mention a couple of Anya's insults here because they were pretty priceless. Yeah. Hey, Olaf, you're, you're hairy and unattractive. And even women trolls are put off by your various odors. It was the various odors that got me. <laughs> right. Not just odor, various odors. Yes. <laughs> your menacing stance is only merely alarming. <laughs> or is only mildly alarming. I forget which one. I, I think this transcript was a little off. <laughs> uh, anyway, Willow finally finds this... Uh, well, she finds this disarming spell. That's helpful. Yes. And uh, we actually have the translation here. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, the disarming spell translates to, I wish with all men that God will deny you. <laughs> kind of vague for, I need you to take this hammer out of this troll's hands, but okay. Well, her wish is granted. Yeah. And so Buffy's like, hey, he's disarmed now. And she <laughs> runs straight at him and gets walloped across the room. Oh, right. He still has troll strength. He still got all that troll strength. Whoopsie doo. <laughs> so Olaf taunts Buffy and questions her motivations, citing that uh, these, who, who are you fighting for? Your friends? They're not worthwhile. And that their love will never last, etc. Yada. Oh, Olaf. Oh, Olaf, you you sad, sorry fuck. That was, Boy, did you just push the wrong button. That was the wrong fucking button of Buffy's to push today. How dare you question Anya and Xander's miraculous love. <laughs> yep. So needless to say, she kicks his ass into next Tuesday. Yeah. And then lets Willow finish the job and send him to very possibly... Perpetual Wednesday yeah. in another dimension. Oh, God. Perpetual Wednesday sounds awful. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were aiming for the troll dimension, but as Willow tells us, that is very much <laughs> like trying to hit a puppy by throwing a live bee at it. <laughs> Not particularly reliable. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why a puppy... Right. I get why the live bee. Yeah. <laughs> you can't really throw a live bee at anything. Well, uh, then again, no. have you played Bioshock? It makes a per it makes a certain amount of sense because what are puppies? Rambunctious. Mm. Oh. A puppy running around all crazy yeah. and trying to throw a live a bee hyper at a hyper moving yeah. target and another hyper moving target. Yeah. That seems I he's in perpetual Wednesday. Fuck that troll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck that troll. Hell, he could even be in Perpetual Thursday or Perpetual Sunday. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Perpetual Monday. Even. Maybe he just stopped existing altogether. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they just killed him in a really clean way. <laughs> so, Poof. yeah. Anyway, nobody's really upset about it. Everyone seems perfectly nope. satisfied with him simply being not in their dimension anymore. <laughs> yes. And Buffy notes that uh, she got a nifty souvenir which is the hammer. Yeah. And she sets it down on the display case, which hilariously cannot support its weight and yeah. also crashes. And it was probably the only remaining glass in the store that was still intact. <laughs> right. So really, they're just being thorough. And and then Buffy just can't take it anymore. Nope. She just can't take it anymore. And she just breaks down. She's just so 
goddamn happy for Anya and Xander. <laughs> it's probably combination tears over Riley, yeah. and also happy for Anya and Xander. Yeah, it's you know, let it out, let it out. It's it seemed very cathartic. <laughs> it was when also, you gotta cry, you gotta cry. Absolutely. You can't just hold that shit back. You um, just gotta let it go. She was in good company for it. Exactly. It was it was good timing. So we jump forward by a f- probably a few days to Buffy's house, where Buffy is essentially recapping the episode for Giles, who is back from England. Yes, and he seems. Not nearly upset enough that his store was destroyed. Delightfully, unterrifyingly pissed off about the shop being trashed. But you know, it occurs to me now, just now that we're we're talking about this, that that man would intelligently have the best goddamn insurance possible for that fucking store. Well, let's hope so. Think of how often that place gets trashed. <laughs> yeah, he he's probably got great life insurance, too. But yeah, just to wrap it up, they talk about how he didn't really get any information from the Watchers Council, but they might have something soon. They're talking about Don, and he confirms that Joyce actually knows about Don as well. Yep. But they don't really reveal any specifics. They're just being very vague, but they drop Don's name. And with extra special perfect fucking timing... Dawn comes down the stairs, but they don't hear her, and she's listening from just around the corner. Yeah. Uh-oh. I wonder how much she heard. Right? And it kind of implies that the conversation went on a little bit after this, and she kept listening as well. Oh, yeah. So either that or the next episode is going to pick off exactly from that moment. Right. We'll see. Regardless, Gerarg. Ger fucking arg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength, strength. Give, 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 give me more! Nights, I shall walk in Hold on. You've got something in your eye. So, how did you feel about this episode, Josh? I felt like this was a very productive episode. Yeah. Uh, so now, Joyce knows. I mean, she's known for a couple episodes, but Joyce knows about Dawn being the key. Giles knows that Joyce knows. Yep. And Dawn knows that something is up now, but yep. doesn't know what that we know of. So um, that's kind of horribly anxiety-inducing. Where the fuck's that going to go? I don't remember. It's going to be fun. No, it's a very productive episode. Um, there was a clear A story, B story, C story, and some season arc. Uh, the A story, I felt, was... Uh, Buffy coping, and you could even see the stages throughout the episode. Yeah. Thought it was very well written. I'm, I'm curious. I kind of want to go back and scope out. I didn't really have time to prep it up to do a a great side by side comparison. But just think about how did she cope with Angel leaving? I feel like oh, it was well a lot less good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was more self destructive. <laughs> And this is just much healthier. She's got a great support network. She's leaning on her friends and letting her emotions out and feeling her emotions about it and not taking it out on um, vampires by hunting them. Didn't she go off on a big depressive hunting spree for a minute? I want to say. I can't remember. I don't remember exactly. That that vaguely sticks in my memory. But then the bee story. Um, Anya and Willow settling differences about their mutual conflicts of interest, uh, which turned out to not be a conflict of interest at all. In fact, it was just a mutual interest in 
the overall health, safety, and well-being of Xander. Yeah. Which is great. Good like, for them. This right here is a perfect example of what a Monster of the Week story is meant to fucking be. Yes, it's a great example of what it can be. And because there was a great buildup um, with, you know, both characters being, uh, you know, having their flaws and being in the wrong about certain things, but one being more in the wrong than the other, obviously one always needs to be more in the wrong than the other to incite the instability yeah. in the first place. They they just wrote it really well, and I liked how it played out. And we get even more little foreshadowing of Willow making poor choices because of magic. Ah, that's true. Yes. Yeah. I would throw that under the season arc. Yep. Um, I, the sea, or maybe in with the sea story, um, the sea story that I had was the troll... Which happens to be giving us, he's not just a monster of the week. He's not just any monster of the week. He gives us some origin story about Anya. Yeah. And everything else about him was really just busy work while the rest of, while the A and the B story play out. Right. Um, but that was a really clever way for them to sh not really shoehorn in an origin story for Anya, but to fit it in just right, like a goddamn puzzle piece. It was really clever. Yeah, the... the the whole group feels even more cohesive now because of this. Absolutely. I think it's great. And on top of that, we made some progress on our season arc, figuring out who the fuck Glory is and yep. what she wants, what she's after, how much of a danger she is, and how to fix that. And uh, that progress is just specifically, Giles is waiting on information from a source that we didn't have before. Yeah. And... Now Dawn knows something which she didn't know before. Yeah. Which I is like kind it. of important because she's kind of the... They already know that she's the thing that Glory needs and wants. Right. In, in the end, she's the season arc. Yeah. And her knowing about this is very significant. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, it wasn't particularly hilarious. It wasn't particularly uh, dramatic. But it just felt right yeah it flowed well the only the only moments where it felt like it was getting a little bit annoying to me at all was the bickering with anya and willow had a couple of moments where i'm like oh come on some of that you know some episodes you know this is back when writing and they had to fill a specific time slot a yeah. very specific time slot of like 42 minutes and they yeah. only get like maybe a minute or two of leeway tops right right and so sometimes they have to stretch shit out or condense some things that they otherwise wouldn't have if they were writing this in the in the days of streaming when they can right. make things as long or as short as they fucking want to yeah did you have anything to add how'd you feel about this episode rex no, i i liked it, it was all right good. cool what's your quote of the day well you know i i have to go with the one that i i mentioned it's like it it's an iconic quote for me and my friend who introduced this show to me, and that is, what you doing? Playing soccer. Very nice. It, it's not, you know, it's not a big fucking huge quote. It's not rip-roaring funny or anything, but it, it holds a very, very special place in my heart. All right. Cool. What's your quote of the day? I have to similarly, uh, and probably equally as predictably, <laughs> predict... <laughs> Predictatorily, you know what I mean. 
Predictably? Predictably. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Probably relatively predictably. I, I have to go with the only one that really tickled my funny bone. It's a Spike quote, isn't it? Spike saying yeah. to Olaf, <laughs> they've got this onion thing. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. It was good. That 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 was a fun moment for well, me. Especially because he teed it up beforehand. Oh, yeah. It was very well set up. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of funny moments with Anya and Willow, but they just weren't as good at quotes. Yep. It was yep. really more the moment that was funny, not the line. Exactly. So, yeah, this has been another episode of Beer with Buffy. Don't forget to find us on Facebook. Give us a like. Join our Facebook group where you get to see all sorts of fun interactions with us. Mostly, you know, we, we share memes. Follow us on Twitter. If you'd like to support our show, one of the best ways that you can do that is to give us a review on iTunes. If you give us a review and you send in proof of the review, we will send you a sticker. Stickers! I keep stressing this because people aren't sending us things to show that they did the review. We want to send you stickers. You got to claim our stickers. Um, also, I would like to just point out that apparently you can now rate us on Spotify... And Spotify is where we get the most of our listens, so... That's a thing that I heard, yeah. Yeah, give us a rating on Spotify. I don't think you can write a full review, but you can still rate us. You can give us stars. There's no and we there's want no written... all the stars. Absolutely. If you would like to more directly support us, you can do so with our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Beer with Buffy. Give us money directly. We would love you for it. And we'll read your name off on the top of our show like we do every episode. If you would like to have things with our logos on them, you can do that too. As people are wont to do. Yes. Clothing, stickers, mugs. We got a tote bag, a few other things. I can't even remember everything in the store now. Uh, but you can go to our website, www.beerwithbuffy.com. And there's a link to our Patreon. There's a link to our store. Buy our shit. We'll love you for it. Damn right we will. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so via email beerwithbuffy at gmail.com or you can give us a phone call leave a voicemail or a text at 269-743-0783 as always thank you very much to jj treadway for our transitioning and opening music this has been beer with buffy i'm rex i'm josh have a good night damn it what did i say that was funny ah i missed a few Instead of which you enslave yourself to this, this cult. You don't like the color? <laughs>
wait, what have we done? Why are we watching this? 